Hey, everybody. Welcome in. I'm James Adams. He's Skeeter Robinson. This is the Fantastics, My Fantasy Fix DFS golf podcast. And Skeeter, we get ready for the People's Open, the Wasted Management <laughs> Phoenix Open. But before we do that, we are leaving one of the best uh, venues in golf, Pebble Beach and the AT&T Pro-Am. Um, I would am- I don't know where I'm at. Now and where I was this weekend, Cincinnati now, Chicago this weekend, it was freezing cold. Pebble Beach looked very nice on the television. Yes, I mean, obviously I'm not I'm three hours south of Chicago, so I, I'm very aware of how cold it is there around here. But yes, Pebble did look nice. I didn't get to watch anything on Sunday as I was traveling, but got to watch some of the first couple days of it. Um Monterey Peninsula looks a like I'd never seen Monterey before, and there, you know, there were a couple of t- days that, that that they were there, not Spyglass, at least with a camera too. It looked like a, you know, it almost kind of gave you know, like this remind me of Kiowa a little bit, just right on the coast, kind of that vibe to it. But it looked like a nice course, one I'd love to go play. Probably way too expensive for me, but um, yeah, my um, my Andrew Putnam hopes were dashed on Sunday, and some of my. I can't lay in a lineup, dominant lineup. Like, I was looking pretty good going into Sunday, but then, you know, Sunday did not treat me kind. I will say that it was not my original thought. Somebody else had tweeted out, but they said that they thought Pebble Beach was maybe the third best golf course in like a 10 or whatever mile radius. And I assume Monterey being the, one of the other ones they meant, they didn't spe- yeah, they didn't mention the names, but they were glad that they were seeing other than Pebble Beach in this tournament. Um, so yeah, I saw some Thursday and I saw some of that. I did not see Sunday live because I was traveling home from Chicago after I was at the uh, DePaul women's basketball game. I did watch some replay today as we record this on a Monday, though. I did see that somebody hollered who day when Jordan Spieth hit his tee shot on 17 or 18 on Sunday. And boy, did that make my heart warm. <laughs> I imagine it did. Um, oh, I got I got pretty stoked because I'm like, who day doesn't even have anything to do with Jordan Spieth? He's from Texas. I'm sure I'd assume he's a Cowboys fan. There'll be some Bengal fans out there a week early uh, traveling oh, to yeah. Pebble and you know, I wonder how many will be in Arizona before heading off to L.A. I mean, as I said, I thought you should have made a made a trip to Phoenix before, but you know, I don't think you can make that work out. I want to make the waste management on its own. I do not want to make that as a part of this Super Bowl trek because I've got to tell you, I mean, I have friends. We've talked about it as a, a group trip. I, th- I feel like I want to do the Honda first because it's closer. It's still a warm weather trip, mm-hmm. uh, but it's much closer for me. But certainly uh, the Phoenix Open is uh, the People's Open is certainly on my list. And Skeeter, uh, I-, I do got to say congrats to Tom Hoagie. It was really a great finish on Sunday. Uh, as I went and watched back with guys, you know, five guys were T1 at some point on the back nine. So it was a great tournament. But as much as I like that, I'm so happy to be done with the course rotation. I'm so oh. done to be happy to be done with the pro-ams. And I am super stoked about waste management. I've been watching Golf Channel. I'm going to the Super Bowl this week, dude. And I still have had Golf Channel on television on Monday. Nice. No, I'm with you. I'm so, I'm glad to finally get Shot Tracker on every single course. And I have to worry about multi-course rotations, things like that. And Phoenix is always a fun course. Now, before we get into Phoenix, I do have to ask you a question. Since you were in Chicago, mm-hmm. you, you texted me this, and I you know, I, I was very, very happy <coughs> with the reference. Um, did you try any of the, uh, what most people would call Lou Malnati's pizza, but you called it Peter Malnati's pizza, which I loved. I mean, 
I'm personally a big fan of Giordano's. That's my favorites of the Chicago-style pizzas. But did you have some Peter Malinati pizza, or did you just go somewhere else? We went to Pisano's, uh, Pisano's okay. and my cousin's son brought back some Lou Malinati's. Mm-hmm. It looked like the same style of pizza. Yeah. Um, there's a deep dish here in Cincinnati, but it's not quite that same style. So I think from what I got at Pisano's, I thought it was excellent, dude. It was very good. Um, I would imagine there's a lot of calories baked into that thick dough, but it was very tasty. Wow, it's not – yeah. You're not eating Chicago-style pizza for health benefits. I, I didn't that. look, right? I didn't look at that part of the menu. Oh, wow. Neither, <laughs> no, uh, it was good. I never have, but I don't need to, and you know what? I know it's bad for me. Oh, well, we get one shot this game they call life. I'm going to enjoy some deep-dish pizza when I want it. That's correct. Yeah, I definitely did, and uh, it was very tasty. And uh, I would say that I would say this about my, about my uh, very brief trip to Chicago. Not enough time. That city is humongous. Yes. Uh, we had a killer Airbnb that was right on the L, so um, we we hopped on the the Brown Line for those that care to the uh, Loop and hung out and like everything was walking distance to the train. Train took you wherever you want, but my goodness, there were more stops than we had a chance to get to. So I'd certainly like to go back and do it again with a little bit more extended time. But uh, I had a lot of fun up there, man. And even in the freezing cold, like you know, I I I finally have my personal attachment to the word windy city or the phrase windy city dude that wind was blowing off the lake when it was below 20 degrees fahrenheit mm-hmm. on saturday and i could feel salt peppering my face uh no pun intended salt peppering that was a good reference i like that oh, I, I might stick oh, with that on, yeah. the salt was blasting my face because the wind was blowing it off the street it was so windy and it was hitting you in the face you're like oh my god you gotta it was a great day to bar hop because you didn't want to be outside too long between the wind and the cold right so this was like 10 years ago i think it was far as last year as a packer I went to a game at Soldier Field. It was like 30 degrees, but the wind chill was zero because it was wind off. I mean, froze. Oh, it was yeah. absolutely frozen. And far even said after the game, the Bears won, which was nice. Always nice to watch them win, especially with the Packers. But he even said, like, yeah, this was like the coldest game, one of the coldest games he's ever played in, and that includes some of those negative temperature wind chill at Lambeau. But that wind, yeah, off the lake, oh, you could freeze quickly. It's significant. It is significant. Temperature is a number. The uh, elements can certainly affect it. Yeah, it was wild. And then the next day, it was kind of sunny. It was like, man, you walk on the sunny side of the street. If you're blocked by the wind, it's actually very pleasant. Yeah, I mean, still not, with a lot bad. of clothing on. but Right. Yeah, no, not too bad at all. So uh, now we get ready for the People's Open, Skeeter. And I got to say, on top of the things I said I was excited about, uh, and I, I think we're ready to get to the Phoenix Open, are we not? Oh, of course. All right, so first and foremost, it's TPC Scottsdale, par 71, 7,261 yards. Skeeter, I know that there's a lot we know about this course, right? 16's the party hole, 17's the risk-reward par 4. 18 is where Webb Simpson birdied twice in a row to take out Tony Fino a couple of years ago and got my juices flowing for the gambling on golf that I've really never stopped since. Um the course is awesome, but this field is awesome. We talked about it a little bit before we got into the uh, to the podcast. This feels like easily the best field. Um, even Tournament of Champions was thin with some big names. This has got to be the best field so far this year, right? Uh, better than Tory Farmers? I, I feel like that answer is yes. I might have to go back and look at it again, but I kind of feel like yes. I mean, maybe it's because I'm biased to some of these names in the 800 or 8,000s. And some in the, I don't know. I mean, I even look at guys in the 6,000s, and I yeah. might be biased about that too. But there's some names I really like. I mean, you have six of the top ten in the official world golf rankings. 
10 of the top 15 playing. Like, yeah, there's just names. I mean, it's a great deep field. It's a tournament that is sneaky. Like, it's it's an easy course, but it's not... You're not going to see minus 25 witness. At least I don't think you are. Like, we've seen cut lines around even plus two. Last year was minus two. Like, the winning score is going to probably be in the mid to high teens, but it's not going to be a birdie fest. Part of the problem is that it's just it's too, um, you know, there's no rough, but the rough is kind of can be the desert, and you get stuck behind a cactus. So, you know, you're going to have to take the old unplayable there. But, um, yeah, six, I mean, I love this stretch starting with 13, 13 15 are both par fives. They're all the all three par fives are reachable. 16 is the par hole. 17 is probably my one of my top favorite three holes in golf. I love I love the risk reward part. I love how there's water left, water deep, and on that Sunday pin when I put it on that narrow area, oh man, I mean, I think we've seen people put the ball into the water before. I'm, oh yeah, absolutely. So I mean, it's just it's it's I love holes where you can make it two or you can make a six. I think what makes 17 the best too is there are other good short par fours, risk reward. I think there's a good one um, at the uh, at the match play tournament at the Austin Country Club. But what's awesome about this one is it comes right off of first of all, it's the second to last hole, so there's a ton on the line. So it really is like guys who might not take that risk generally might say, "Hey, I need to take that risk now." So it really forces your hand be because of where it is on the golf course, and then the fact that it comes after 16, where everybody's getting rowdy. You know, the people are hooting and hollering if you hit the green. God forbid you're coming out of that hole with a birdie and the crowd's going berserk, and maybe you still need to go for the green on 17. Like there's just so much going on on top of the fact that it's just a really Good golf hole. Yeah. 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 The adrenaline coming off, 18's not bad, but just the, I mean, it's a great hole, especially on Sunday with that pin. Like, okay, where are you at in the leaderboard? Time to take a mm -hmm. risk or two. And coming out, again, coming off 16's not a terrible par three, terribly hard. 15's very eagleable, but still has enough that you can get yourself in some trouble on 15. Like, it's just a great stretch of holes. And, it's just on Sunday again. You can there's disaster lurking, but there's opportunity lurking, and I think that's what makes it fun. I think Brooks Brooks kind of took advantage of that last year to win, and you know, Spieth had a bad Sunday. Justin Thomas, I think, was in contention, but then I think, I think his right. grandpa passed away Saturday night, so he was you're kind correct of off on Sunday a little bit, if I remember correctly. Absolutely, that's correct. In fact, I think I used him in one and done. I forgot about that, but now that you bring it up, I or I used him somewhere, and I was like feeling very good about him being in contention, and that happened. So yeah, you're absolutely correct about that. So yeah, no, I love the I love the concept of this tournament. As far as stats wise, I, I mean, Tina Green, like you actually do have to scramble a little bit, but it's not real hard scrambling. I believe. The greens are pretty flat, so putting, I think, plays a role in here. Most of the par fours are from 400 to 500, so I'm looking at that. Par fives, even though there's only three of them. And then the, the main proximity range is 150 to 175. I need to look into this a little bit more, uh, listening to Pat Mayo on his podcast. And he said 175 to 200 kind of pops up for the winners as being important there. So I'm assuming that's probably because of the par fives. You know, that's probably your distance coming into the par fives or a couple of the longer par fours. But that was an interesting stat he pointed out. So um, 132 players, top 65 in ties make the cut. No MDF this week like we did last week, which cost me some six of sixes. Austin Eck wrote my guy was six. It was uh, minus four at T65, but didn't get to play the old MDF that Pebble has. 
Um, so basically half the field is going to make the cut. So I think six and six is going to be absolutely imperative unless a lot of the chalky guys end up missing. And that has happened here before. My, uh, my best year here was the um, Gary Woodland over Chez Reeve playoff. I had both, but I needed Chez to win because he was lower owned. And that cut percentage that year was like sub 2%. Uh, Hideki withdrew, which killed which killed a ton of lineups. I played multiples that week, but I had one without him, and that was the one that was 6-6, six of six, and that did very well for me. That was 2018 for the record. What year is it? 2018? 2018. Yes, okay. sir. 2018. So, okay. um, yeah, that makes any, sense. Anything about this? Uh, I could go on and on about memories I even have from last year, the, the, how awesome this tournament is. Is there anything more before we get into the field? I don't think so. Uh, again, it's a deep field. It's a fun tournament. This is, and especially come Sunday, you want to talk about your live bets and maybe even doubles with a Super Bowl. There's, I mean, there's some even some fun props. You know what's you know what's more, Joe Mixon rushing yards or Jordan Spieth final round score. Joe Mixon's rushing yards by a mile. I'm just saying those props are going to be available. At even, even <laughs> I know. NBA I'm just getting amped. It's a lot of NBA ones that I always have thought about with the Super Bowl, um, but only in recent years have I thought about golf props versus the Super Bowl. But that's that's actually like rushing yards. That's a good. That's a good one that will be out there. I'm sure. Or you know, maybe not that one, but something very similar. What's higher, combined passing touchdowns from Stafford and Burrow, or? Number of shots under par for Hovland or Rom. I am eagerly looking forward to these because I have not even really handicapped the Super Bowl yet, um, and certainly I haven't handicapped this week. As I was, I did a terrible job handicapping last week after I was three of four good weeks. Uh, last week made it three of five because I was terrible. So now, now you got me like my juices are really flowing about the crossover here between football and golf. Um, I like these ideas. I can't wait to get into these I mean, things later. Please tell me you're at least playing a Webb Simpson Bengals double. Uh, Webb Simpson at 45 to one, uh, who got me hooked on this gambling on golf adventure is most assuredly going to get a bet from one James, not Frederick Webb Adams, but yeah, I'm, I don't know if there's a double there. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've already got that $20 ticket on the Bengals to win. I feel like I just, I've got my action from when they were a hundred to one. So I don't know that I, I don't know that I have any more okay. Bengals. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've tried so far. I've stayed away from any Super Bowl stuff without digging too far because of that, because I have that one bet and I'm like, you know what? I mean, I, I there's I don't want to throw down enough money to make any other bets relevant versus that one. You're a diehard Bengals fan. Web Simpson became part of your middle name because of this tournament. You've wasted five bucks on worst things in your life. Throw five bucks yeah. on a Bengals Web Simpson double. I wasted five dollars on things yesterday. <laughs> worse than that, I assure you. Like, I'm not uh, saying many you know, times this weekend. Your entire bankroll, but throw five bucks on it. Your guys. I mean, it's not like we're playing triples here with uh, the DP World Tour or anything like that. Charlie Hoffman and the Bengals money line. Oh, well, let's just hope. I know. We'll, we'll get to him when we get to the 6Ks, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, shall we get to the top of the field here, brother? Absolutely. Let's do it. We take it to 10K plus, and we start with the hometown guy, sort of. Arizona State's John Rahm. He's 11-6. Justin Thomas is 11 even. Patrick Cantlay, 10-7. Hideki Matsuyama, 10-4. Victor Hovland, 10-2. You got some heat up there, Skeeter. Oh. Who's your favorite? Rahm. I mean, the guy's never finished worse than 14th here. And that was the thing. He was in top 14 when he was an amateur here. Like, 
You want to talk about an immaculate course history for never winning. 13th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 16th, 5th. So, sorry, he's never finished worse than 16th here. He's still the best player in the world. He's number one over the past 36 rounds. Tita Green, birdies are better. He's top five par five strokes gained. Par fours from 450 to 500. Putting opportunities gained. Like, he just hits every single stat model. And as you mentioned, there are some names in the sevens and the sixes that we're traditionally used to seeing in the eights. Like, there's some, or even, you know, eights, even sevens that are in the sixes. Like, 11-6 is a high price tag. But I think there's enough value you can go to that. And for a guy who clearly likes this tournament, like, the Rom win at Phoenix is coming. Maybe it's this year. The Rom win at Phoenix is coming. Rom's going to win a lot of different tournaments, and he hasn't won this one yet. He's my number two yep. only because of pricing. Yeah. Look, I mean, what you say is absolutely right. If Rom wins this thing, no one's going to be shocked as we will never be at any tournament this year. He's going to win this one, I mean, as the ASU guy. Um, so I'm with you on all those accounts. The pricing makes Hideki my favorite. Okay. I'm hopeful that we found the resurgence of Hideki. Look, I drafted him in our uh, fantasy league. So I'm not – I drafted him because I believe in him. So this isn't really self-fulfilling prophecy here as much as it is. That's why I draft him. That's why I also like him here in this tier because of one. You, you, you even mentioned it already. It's been called the Hideki Matsuyama Open before – or the Invitational rather. And he's 10-4 where Rama's is 11 6 that said, I mean, I might try to squeeze them both into at least one lineup. I don't think that's the worst idea. Um, yeah, there's actually I'm, – I'm even trying to think, you know, on my five lineup build how I'm going to do this. But, yeah, I could see three of my five being devoted to – because I have three guys up here I like. Hideki's my third. My only issue with Hideki, I mean, outside of the fact we've already seen him win – but the past four years, after his fourth, second, first, first combination, withdraw 15th, 16th, 42nd. So he has kind of slowed down a little bit. I was kind of hoping he would sneak in the nines for that reason. But, you know, DraftKings is a little savvy. And, again, him winning at Sony probably uh, boosted that. But, I mean, my number two, how in the world – and I and I grant, you know, Cantlay, Fast Cup champion, Justin Thomas, pretty good – but how in the world is Victor Hovland the fifth price guy here when he's third in the world and number two Morikawa is not here? Like ten two on Hovland is an absolute steal of a price. Fourth in approach, fourth in opportunities, ninth in version better. Hasn't he won like four times the past six months? I believe some ridiculous stat. Like his last five finishes worldwide: one at Dubai, fourth at Abu Dhabi, thirtieth at the Tournament of Champions, first at the Hero. Yeah, okay, whatever. First at Mayakoba, like he's just winning all over all over the place. Uh, he won the BMW International Open right before the Open, or right after the U.S. Open. Like he hasn't missed a cut. I mean, he withdrew at the U.S. Open. His last missed cut was the Players, and that's a that could be a little bit of a funky thing. He was you know, he had the fourth best score at the Tour Championship. Like he's number three in the world. He's won three times his past five starts, including a very nice win at Dubai. And he's the fifth price guy at 10-2. That's the best value in the board this week. You're probably right. Um, he's my number three. JT's my number four. Yep. So that tells you who my fade is. And the thing is, I think the fade was the easy pick. The honestly, the other four, you shake them up, and if you rolled two out of the bag, I'd say, okay, I'll start my lineup with those two. Like I had no, I would really not have a problem starting a lineup with JT and Hovland, even though neither one of those were my one or my two here because it's the other. Other player I'm not as interested in. I think that's fair. So um, Cantley's my fade, and it's not 
look, I'm just not going to pay 10-7 when Hideki's 10-4, Hovland's 10-2, a couple of names in the 9-Ks are where they are. I'm just not going to pay that for, for Cantlay unless he is Patty Ice, and he's, he's Patty okay right now. I mean, I know he was in contention uh, at uh, yesterday at Pebble. I'd, it's not that I don't like him. It's just that I like the other four better. Yep, no, I agree. Well, let's take it to those 9Ks then. Start with Jordan Spieth, 9,900. Xander Schauffele is 97. Brooks Koepka, 94. Sam Burns, 93. Daniel Berger, 92. Scotty Scheffler, 91. Bubba Watson, 9K. Skeeter, where are you going here? Oh, man. I, well, I was really hoping Bubba was not in this tier. I was going to go there. Um, he's my number two. My number one, Sam Burns. Um, six of, uh, past 36 rounds, six inverters are better. 11th T to green, 11th to the power force for 400, 450. 15th in putting. I actually think putting is going to mean a little something this week. When I look over the, um, again, rates are much better longer term. Short term, he's maybe come back down to earth a little bit here. But for a guy that had been playing so well, he seems a little underpriced. He missed that Farmers bad approach week. He was 19th at Century, but before that, 7th at Houston, 5th at CJ, 1 at Sanderson Farms, 14th at Shriners, another little desert course thing. Like, yeah, okay, so he missed a cut at Farmers. I can forgive that. He's, again, though, just playing too well for me to ignore, and – 9300 is a pretty nice price. Like, I can pair him up with any of these 10K guys and kind of feel confident from there. I'm going to go with Xander Schauffele. He's not playing at peak performance right now, but he's had nothing but great performances here. And his price, I mean, I would. we talked about why I wouldn't like to go to Cantley. Well, Xander Schauffele is why at 9700 I would go there. And look, I get it. He was 12th at Tournament of Champions, which isn't a great finish. 34th at Farmers, not a great finish. 12th at the Hero, not a great finish. But he also hasn't been terrible in any of these events either. We're talking about minus 7, minus 22, minus 10. Those are his last three tournaments. So he hasn't picked them off, but he has been in the middle of the pack. And at a little bit of a discount here, if I go into the 9Ks, I feel like he's the best player. Maybe he's not the best player, but... I feel like this course fits so well for him. Look, the two guys around him are, are probably better players, and I like them too. But I just I like Xander here, and hopefully, because he's not been as great lately, he's a little bit less owned. Yeah, I mean, 18, he was even 18th last week at Saudi. Um, second here last year, I believe. So that's where I was pricing up. And again, we're used to seeing Xander in the 10s. I yep. actually think this is a fair price on him. Um, probably not somebody I'm using just because of the fact that I like the 10s and I like Burns. But I have no issue with Xander. If you don't go Burns or if you use him and someone else, where else are you going? I mean, it'll be Bubba. I mean, we, we've always talked. Bubba has his courses. You play him at mm -hmm. the courses he likes. He hasn't won here, but he's got two runner-ups, a third and a fourth. He's played this one cut since 2014. Like, he plays well at this course. The 9K makes it a little bit tougher. But, he, I mean, he was second at Saudi last week. I mean, probably was going to go to a playoff if um, – Varner doesn't make a 120 footer, 120 was it like a 120 foot putter, whatever it was. It was from distance with perfect pace. Yeah, like, like I mean, this was looking at a playoff, and instead, you know, Varner wins in glorious fashion. So, but the fact that Bubba's playing well again, I mean, this is the Bubba stretch, by the way. Phoenix and Riviera, mm -hmm. two tournaments he's played very well in the past. I think he's hard to ignore at 9K. Maybe he's a better bet, but he's probably one of the more intriguing names 
price points in this field. He won't be my number two, but you're right. I mean, Bubba is the prototypical horse for a course, and this is one of his courses. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. Uh, played very well, even though he didn't finish uh, at, at Pebble. Fortunately, uh, didn't hurt himself in that insanely frightening oh, shot. Man. Um, but Jordan's had some good times here. I'm trying to find a silly course history right now, and it's evading me. There we go. Fourth, a ninth, and a seventh. Now he had two missed cuts during his bad spell when he was not playing good. Uh, but he's also had three top tens to go with it. Um, not that it matters, but Jordan probably provided me my favorite memory from this tournament last year when the uh, gentleman dressed like Borat was getting kicked out across the water on 17, and he made that really long putt. There's the four guys dressed up as Masters caddies that are going nut nuts. Borat's getting arrested, and then Jordan points at him because he doesn't realize he's getting arrested. So then Borat gets free from the police and continues to go more nuts. The guy dresses him, not the actual Sasha Baron Cohen character or actor. But then this guy and this guy gets arrested. It was the greatest scene, probably from golf last year. I'm sure there are some like more serious moments that deserve uh, attention, but it was one of my favorites. Oh, and Jordan's playing good, and he's had three top tens here. I forgot about that. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> I was going to talk about it when we opened. I was like, well, I like Jordan anyway. I'll just mention it when I mention him. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, Yeah, I don't have a problem with Spieth, though. Yeah, he, he's been either top 10 or miscut here, which is weird. But, yeah, and as far as that shot at Pebble, um, granted, I'm not, I'm not sure I'll ever be playing at Pebble in a competitive environment, but I will be more than glad to take the one-stroke penalty. I would not hit that shot. Well, you wouldn't take a stroke penalty with me. You just scoop the ball back a little bit, and you just play it from there. Or what, just, I, or what I do? We would I, call that a safety uh, mulligan, if you will. Or what? Or would it be like when we went golfing out in Ohio, where I flubbed the shot? It actually hits a rock. It ends up right back at my feet. Yeah, but there I charged you the stroke because, uh, well, you know, there was there was only dangerous after you took the stroke <laughs> because of the ball's trajectory. That's fair. It would be like when Carl Peterson decided he didn't want to take a uh, foot in the water to hit the ball at the 2012 PGA Championship at Kiowa. See, that's the kind of safety that we're avoiding that we won't cause you a stroke for. Okay. Or what tournament is the one that has, like, the alligators that come out and about? Out and about? Um, um, well, probably. Do the, does the players? The, no, there was one a couple of years ago. Like, it kept appearing. Like, I think it was one of the um, – Somebody from you know I mean, born in Louisiana kind of knew how to get rid of it, but people were oh that probably is Zurich Classic. Then I remember that somebody walks up and just gooses the alligator, yeah, and he and he dips away into the water. Yeah, that so Kiowa has alligators, but that was uh, I think that was the Zurich Classic actually. I didn't think it was Zurich. I thought it was one of the Florida course, but I thought it was somebody who was from like the Louisiana area who was the one that was it Chesson Hadley or I forget who it was. Who I forget who it was. I remember the memory, and it's probably not the Zurich Classic. Now that you mention it too, well, when that. When that tournament comes around, we'll see the highlight, and we'll be like, oh, yeah, it was that. Yes, yes. Um, um, fade go for ahead. Me, fade for me is Daniel Berger. I don't know what's going on with his back. So until that's a little more sure of, like, he rates out very well statistically here, but that back's enough, and there's enough good players surrounding him that I'm just going to take a, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. I mean, look, if I faded the Seagull in the sevens last week, even though I actually still bet him because ABC, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, why wouldn't I do the same thing for a guy who I don't dislike by any stretch, but I also am not like a big fan supporter. So I'm with you. Berger is just, he's the smart fade because even Scheffler, who you could say, oh, I'm not really sure what's up with him. He finished seventh here last year. I can't fade him. So Kepka won. Burns is on fire. Berger's just the odd man out, kind of like Cantley was. It's not a knock on him as much as it is just a uh, how sparkling clean this, the rest of this crew looks. 
Yeah. Again, I mean, it's such a deep tier that if anybody has injury concerns, I'm just not going to do it, even if there is a potential ownership advantage later on. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. Well, let's take it to the uh, 8Ks in a tier that I, again, I think is, is chock full of studs. Starts at the top. Tony Finau's 89. Louis Oosthuizen 88. Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick, excuse me, 87. Webb Simpson, 86. Adam Scott, 85. Seamus Powers, 84. Corey Connors, 83. Russ Henley, 82. Tom Hoagie coming off the win at Pebble, 81. Harris English is 8K even. Skeeter, there's some good names with guys playing great in there, too. Do you got a favorite? Oh, man. Um, it's amazing what difference a year makes because, you know, this guy was one I always avoid because of the draw risk. But I know it's his first start in a while, but Louis at 8,800, I mean, he could be – I mean, you could switch him and Bubba's prices and I wouldn't have a problem. But you could switch him and Finau, Berger, Scheffler. Like, he's in this t- – I think he's in the same tier, and he's the cheapest of them. So, for that reason, I'm going to go with Louis who has played here a couple of times, and I believe he's got a nice history, 11th a year ago, 3rd in 2017, last mm-hmm. two times he's played. I realize that there's probably not a ton of win equity because Louis just doesn't win in the, in the States, but hey, if, if Hoagie and List, the past two winners, finally got their long-awaited win, maybe it's time for Louis to get his long-awaited win, even though I know you and I are kind of hoping that also comes in April and Augusta, but... um. You know, fifth in approach, sixth tee to green, seventh in the par force with 400 to 500, 450 to 500. Doesn't really have a strong weakness in any category. When I look across the long term models, he rates out pretty well there, too. So I think 8,800, I think it's a, just a class play for Louis here. I have no problem with that at all. And I don't mind if he wins and then goes ahead and wins again when yeah. he gets to Augusta. Get him a little. Uh, a, a good vibes, if you will. I got to go with Webb Simpson, man. This yeah. is a Webb Simpson course. And look, is he playing great? No. But this was the course that really jump-started him a few years ago in 2020 when he had that really good, I think he won three times, I could be wrong, uh, season. Look, he was 42nd last year. Not good. Webb's not playing right, great, right, but, but the, the price, price is so cheap at 8600 he's 45 to 1 at the book that's already on my bet slip i haven't made it but it's 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 locked in it's not coming off of there and at 8600 i can't step away from him besides it's james frederick webb simpson i mean he's named after me so 20 um 2020 was when he won twice he won phoenix and then he won heritage okay the second i thought he won a third time so that's my bad um yeah i guess heritage is the one where him and uh I cashed the ticket with him and, uh, oh, why can't I think of Tyrrell Hatton's name? There it is, Tyrrell Hatton. <laughs> I couldn't think of it until I, until I thought of it, I guess. That's the dumbest self-evident statement. third at Sony, third at Wyndham that year. Okay, maybe it was a couple of those other top fives that I had me. Because uh, I was like, I know I cashed more than uh, Webb Simpson twice, so maybe that's what I was thinking. Oh, okay, but that's right. He won, he won, okay, he missed a cut Charles Schwab after the, you know, after the COVID break, and then he won next week at Heritage, one of his courses. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, at any rate, Webb Simpson. I mean, there's no way I'm not going after him at 8600. I just, uh, I get it. Just... He's not playing great. That's why he's down here. I mean, he's not going to be my fade, but yeah, I think I'm just going to have to take a stand on him. Uh, there's three other guys that I'm not. You know, I have stars by, but not really sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which one's second. Somebody will come up. I mean, Russell Henley's here. He's he's my guy. He's my second. He's my second. First in opportunities gained, second in approach, seventh tee to green, first in proximity from 150 to 175. It's the putter that's an issue there. Corey Connors, 
feels a little underpriced, but again, that's just the strength of this field. And then gosh, Seamus Bauer is just playing so well. I The only reason I can see getting off of him is that was a bad weekend, especially, you know, having a five-shot lead starting Saturday at Monterey, the easiest of the three, and he just struggled. Like, that just – I don't know what to do with that one. You didn't yeah, mention Adam Scott. Scott. <sighs> yeah, I don't – I never know what to do with Adam Scott. That might that might be just more of a bet and just kind of sit back and – I don't know what to – has he even played here? I don't see him on the course history file. Um, no. I know he has one uh, at Riviera where we're going next time. Maybe, yeah, maybe this is the tune-up for Riviera. But, no, he's 40-1. to 1. I don't, at least my book, uh, I don't know that I'm going to bet him because Henley's 40-1, to 1 and I'm planning on probably betting him as well. But Scott's right there with me uh, as a play for me, too. I would rather bet Scott than Henley, but I'll take the $300 savings on DraftKings and rather play Henley than Scott. That's fair. I can get with you. Uh, you got a fade here. Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the Pebble Champ Tom Hoagie. I mean, he's been playing well for a few months now, but we've kind of seen this before. Somebody plays well, gets their first win, and it takes them a little bit to adjust. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I it's kind of where well, I'm I was at with say, him. Yeah, I'm not so sure I'm going to play Tom Hoagie either, but he surely is playing well. Uh, I think I might be fading Harris English. That's he's had sure. some good finishes here, but he's had some bad ones too. Right? Uh, a 16th, two top 10s, but then three missed cuts out of the last four. And he seems to be trending in the wrong direction right now. Yeah, I yeah, Harris English is not on my radar either. Fair enough. Shall we take it to the 7Ks? Yep. All right, dog. Plenty of names. Won't read them all out, but there's a lot of good names in here. In fact, I will read one. Harold Varner III, who you already mentioned at 7,800, finally got that win. I hope he gets one over here soon, but that was cool to see, to wake up to really on vacation and get a, a glimpse of that massive putt. That was awesome. So kudos to the uh, the breakthrough win. And now the 7K, Skeeter. There's some good names in here. Is there one that stands out to you? Yeah, so, I mean, there's one who's mispriced, and it's because miscut 66, there was two performances here. His only two appearances I showed last two years. But, I mean, we were, weren't we playing eight in the eights and nines recently for Aaron Wise? Like, he misses a cut at Farmers. I mean, it wasn't a terrible miscut. I think it looks like he might have missed on the number. And he's now 7,100? Like, that just way, that feels like a way, way too cheap of a price. I mean, we're talking a guy who in the fall, 26 at Houston, 15 at Mayakoba, 5th at CJ Cup, 8th at Shriners. I actually think there's a little bit of a correlation with Shriners here. Um, he's 13th in my model, rates out very well in par 5 strokes gain. Birdies are better, tee to green, par 4 from 400 to 450. Like, he hits a lot of the metrics I want at 7,100. This just feels like, uh, I don't know why he's this cheap. He rates out pretty well over long-term models as well. I mean, to me, that's just... He's too good of a value to pass up. I'm not going to argue with you. I'll use him. I'm going on the other side of this tier, though. I'm going with Billy Horschel. Uh, 7,900. He's been playing pretty good lately. 11th at Farmers, 36th at Sony, 23rd at Century. That's eh, whatever. But he was 33rd at the uh, World, the Mayakoba before that, uh, which is also a pretty strong field. So those are four consecutive top 33 finishes, or top 36, excuse me. And uh, his course history is not so bad. He's had a ninth. He was 53rd last year. It's a little bit up and down. But a 24th twice in 2016 and 2017 as well. So playing good. It's a place he's played well. Um, and I think he's one of those players that I don't know if he like if, if he loves having the noise. But he embraces the crowd and the activity. So I think 
at 7,900, I'm with you, man. Billy Horschel, I get him wrong more often than I get him right. So if I'm on him, it's maybe not the right week for him. But I'm kind of on him this week. His irons have been really struggling. I mean, he... He made, he made all his strokes gained at Farmer's putting. Uh, 5.3 putting, 1.6 around the green. But this just doesn't scream Billy Horschel to me. Billy Horschel screams to me Florida, yeah. um, TP, uh, Pete Dye, Heritage, kind of that kind of that southern, southeastern type of events. And uh, He's a Florida is, Gator. That's There's no doubt about yeah, that. Uh, there's that. There's that correlation. So, But, yeah, this just doesn't scream Billy Horschel to me. Fair enough. Who else do you like besides Wise? Uh, I'm just going to mention a few names real quickly, and I'm sorry if I steal any of yours. I mean, Taylor Gooch just keeps popping up in all stat models. Good par five, good tee to green, good opportunities in birdies game. So he'll be in the mix. Uh, Joel Dahman was kind of floating around a little bit last week. Another guy who can make some birdies. Putting is an issue. Um, This is TPC, right, Scottsdale? That's correct. Uh, KH Lee loves TPC courses. He was second here a year ago, 7,300, has some interest there. Russell Knox let me down on the weekend. I don't know if I'll go back to him. He's on my list. Mito Pereira, this feels more like a Mito course, one that you can score a little bit. Really good tee to green, really good approach numbers. Really good in those par four distances, so I like that. And just because I have a brand here, 7K, you know I'm playing Frankie. Yeah, I looked at him. I was wondering if I actually wanted to make him like one of my favorites or not. I'm sure I'll probably use him. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit better perform after the, what felt like a breakthrough a couple of weeks ago. A little bit better performance, but he made the cut again, so I'm not a, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, what about Kucher? He do anything for you? He's got a really good history here. He does. He missed last week. Um, that felt more like a. I'm so, why has he played well here? I can't I, answer that. I used him in that 2018 lineup. I, I know he was part of that lineup. Um, he doesn't do anything for me. I get it. 7400 is actually not a bad price on him. Um, I don't know. I just – I don't – he's not one I'm really excited to go play. Gary Woodland? What has he done recently? I mean – It hasn't been great. Let's see. I mean, first, seventh, 40th missed cuts. 39th at Farmers. Good approach numbers. Mm. Good putting numbers, which is really odd for Gary Woodland. I don't hate it. Um, and he's, and as we pointed out, he won here before. So 7,300, good opportunities, gain numbers, good par five. Has struggled with these par fours. Tita Green isn't great. Um, I don't hate it. Not somebody I don't think I'm going to use unless, you know, nobody's using him. But I get it. Keegan Bradley. If I didn't emphasize putting a little bit more here, granted, these are flatter greens, so that could benefit Keegan. Um, of course, history is solid, but I don't see top 10s, top 15s out of him. So that's my only issue with Keegan. Again, another one, probably like Woodland, I don't hate it. Just not something I'm going to go to. Tell me, tell me not to play Brennan Grace. He's got a good history here, a little brief oh, history. Oh, I missed but... him in his field. Oh, oh boy, I'm not... Okay, what has Brennan Grace done recently? Not a, not a lot. Missed at Sony. I think he used him at Sony. Oh, he was bad at Century. Did, was he good like round one? Because I feel like I used Brennan Grace somewhere. Or no, maybe I put a put a bet on him after round one, and he was terrible after that. Um, seventy one hundred for a guy who. 
should have won the year Ricky won in 2019. Like he had that and he just blew it in the ninth. I mean, second and ninth here, I don't hate it. I'm not, I, I don't think I'm going to play him, but there's a case <laughs> for it. Those are just some of the other names that I had in mind oh. besides the ones you had already mentioned that I thought I'd throw out there at you. I have one other name. Give it to me. 7100 Pat Perez has been playing pretty decent. He was up there again last week. Um, Not a great history here, but seems to maybe have found some good form again. Uh, Short-term models, 24 rounds or less. He's top 30 for me. So at 7100, for a guy who can score, you know, his birds are better or good. Good par 4 from 450 to 500, good par 5. His approach numbers are good at 7100. I can use some Patrick Perez. Who is not on your list this week? Who are you fading? Um, it's gonna be Varner. I hate to say that, but for a guy who has who won for the first time in five years, apparently, apparently he's like Louie. Uh, doesn't like winning the states, but wins some decent tournaments overseas. But to win at Saudi and now travel halfway across the world to play to play Phoenix, like. He's got a decent history here, but I just that that's a combination I don't want to deal with. I'm trying to I'm trying to think who I really want to fade besides that, because that's kind of where I was going to. That really is my fade, quite frankly, as well. I mean, it's just the easy one. I'll give you Kevin Streelman, though. Uh, because I'm not going to play him either. I bet him last week as one of my many uh, horrible bets. My bet slip had uh, three uh, three missed cuts, a withdrawal, and a T64. Great bet slip. Kevin Streelman is a part of that. So you know what? Um, yeah, I'll fade Streelman at 7,100 because he's just not getting it done right now. Fine I'll, fine, I'll give you another fade, and this is a DraftKings fade. I don't know what his number is. If it's, if it's 100 to 1 or higher, feel free to bet him because he's got that upside. Uh, Siwoo Kim. Yeah, so, bad course history here. I actually was looking at that too. Right, but I mean, it's Siwoo Kim. Like he, he could all of a sudden decide to show up Amen. and blitz this field by seven, or he could finish DFL, which is probably also more likely. But if his I, again, I don't have access to the odds right now. But if his number is triple digits, that might be worth. If you don't mind burning a few bucks, that's he's, not the worst. He's so listen to this. He's ninety to one, and my current uh, bet slips that I'm considering. There are three guys at 100 to 1 I was considering Keegan Bradley, Charlie Hoffman, Gary Woodland. I mean, you would bet Siwoo out of those four, probably, right? I would take the 10 points and take Woodland. But um, okay. Siwoo's kind of in that same bucket. Or maybe I wait to Wednesday because I don't know. I can't imagine many people rushing out to bet Siwoo. That's if he, fair. If he gets to 100, that, I, might, I might waste a few bucks on that one. Brandon Grace is 150 to 1. Wow. You know what? That Maybe that's the better play. Just bet him. Bet him in top 10. I'm going to go ahead and mark him as a potential bet for right now until I whittle it down later. But that's an interesting one as we looked at that tier. Um, anything else from 7K? We ready to go 6K? I'm ready to go 6. All right. There's some names that I like in 6K. There's a, there's a couple that I think definitely uh, garner some consideration. I'll start with you, my man. Is there a play that makes uh, that stands out as a must-play? So what's funny is I actually don't like – I have yet to start anybody in the, in the upper 6Ks. Um, huh. Like, I'm not saying there's not plays there, but, you know, like Hudson Swaffer raced out well for me, but coming off the win a month ago, like, do I want to go back? Grillo, of course, always has good numbers, but that's just not going to go there. I'm going to go down to 6,300. 
because he kind of popped a little. He was kind of hanging around a little bit, I think, for a day or two last week. It's Ryan Moore, who does have a pretty, who at least until the past four years where he missed a cut, he has had some top 20 finishes here at this event. Um, His irons have been good. Like, even at the Amex and Sony where he missed, it wasn't his irons, it was his putter. Last week he was... He gained two and a half strokes at, at Pebble on approach. Again, losing strokes putting, which is a concern. Like I, like putting on the upper tiers, I'm I, I'm going to wait that more. But at 6,300, I mean, I'm not going to get everything I want. He's good in his proximity from 150 to 175. Good par four player from 450 to 500. Good approach numbers. At 6,300, I'm not asking for much, and at least his back class, I think, would be enough to justify it at this price. Is my favorite Charlie Hoffman at 6,700? Of course. He's got good course history here. He's, if he withdrew last week and he's back in the field, like, I don't know enough of the insides of what's going on there, but why is he back in the field if he's not healthy? Or is he just like, man, I'm going to keep giving it a go till it works, which I could be a bad I, thing. I think I know why he's probably in the field. He likes the people. He's he's a man of the people, and he wants to be in the people's open. Who's his main sponsor? Oh, good point. Duh. What an idiot. I'm <laughs> such an idiot. Why does he wear a green glove, or at least he used to? I mean, you're a little bit distracted. Your team's in the Super Bowl, and you're going to the Super Bowl. Like, this is forgivable. And I'm too close to the situation when it comes to the love for Charlie Hoffman. I'm too close to see the, tr- the forest through the trees. Yeah, of course that's why he's in this, for- this field. Right. I don't know if he's honestly my favorite, though, dude. Um, you looked way down. Okay. There's a couple of guys I like, so I don't know if I have a favorite yet. Sahiti Gala was not good at Pebble beach, but it was the fourth made cut in a row. I know that's not true. He was T 64. He was, as you said, the MDF, but he was T 64 all the same. Uh, so the is still going to be on my radar. Again, he's a guy I just drafted in our league. So I've had my eyes on him already. Uh, but what about where's Hank Lebiota? Was he sixty two hundred? I'm scrolling now. Yeah, he he jumped for me. Number one, that's putting. cheap, dude. I mean, we've seen Hank in the summer. Like he he doesn't mind a good old birdie fest. I'm not saying he this was is minus a birdie fest, four but. at Sony when he didn't make the cut too. You know what I mean? It's not like he was bad and missed the cut. No, I mean 49th at Amex, 46 at Farmers, gained strokes and approach at Farmers. Uh, number one in putting over the last 36 rounds. I never guess that. Good par five guy. Good birdies are better rate. Like, yeah, 6,200. Absolutely. Same price point for me. I'll go back to Austin Eckrout. He was another one of those MDFs. Um, put, his putter was terrible last week, but he had some close iron shots. Good par four guy. Good opportunities gained. Like, he's there for me. And then 6,500, I have no idea what to do with him, but. Maybe maybe just name value. Matt Wallace is sixty five hundred. He's a top. He, he, I don't know if he's a top tier European player. He was on the Ryder Cup team, wasn't he? That I don't remember. Ninetieth, ninety fifth in the was. world, thirty fifth at Dubai, sixty eighth at Abu Dhabi. So I mean, not sixty seventh at RSM. Not great finishes, but thirty fifth at Dubai doesn't seem terrible in that field. Not at all. Um, no, he, there's a decent name that you, you mentioned. Um, Matt, uh, not Matt, Martin Laird at 6,800. Uh, you said this has a Shriners comp possibly. We know that I hate his guts for winning the Shriners playoff against Matt Wolf two years ago. He's made three of four of his last cuts. He was 11th at the Shriners, uh, as a matter of fact, and he was 46 at, uh, 
at, at Farmers, the last one, and he has a decent course history. I'm not looking at it right off the rip, but I remember seeing it earlier. So he's a name. It was kind of between him and uh, and Lee Biotta, really, for my favorite, if it's not, of course, Charlie Hoffman. Yeah, and, and again, again, high risk here. Oh, sure. There is a 6K guy, dead 6K, that I that kind of has some stats and actually has a 16th here in the past, and that's Brandon Hagee. Like, he's missed, he missed four straight cuts. At the MX, MX he, good approach numbers was the putter. At the Farmers, he looked like he missed running a number. Good putting, good good uh, approach. Pebble, 65th, so he he must have had a terrible Sunday. Good approach numbers. Everything, I mean, struggled around the green. For 6K stone minimum, I don't think he's the worst play. I'm not – I don't think I'm playing there. I don't think I need to considering I have a lot of lower 6K guys, but – if, I mean, if you need a, a pure 6K punt, I've seen a lot worse this year than Brandon Haig. Just hear me out here, Skeeter. Okay. From Hoagie to Haggy. <laughs> yes. It's so bad. It's so oh, bad. It's so good, though. <laughs> All right, that's terrible. Um, I think I completely spaced. Did I give you Adam Hadwin yet? I think no, I totally uh, w- bypassed you, him. You did not. Top game. Adam Hadwin who last year was playing absolutely terrible when he got here. And I haven't gone back to look at the stats, but I know it was, I want to say it was his first made cut in a while. He did finish 50th, but the guy makes the cut every year here. He's playing better than he was last year. Because if you remember, Adam Hadwin is is one of my guys that I've been on for a while. And he's, what's he had? 16th at Pebble Beach. Now he missed the cut at Farmers. He was 25th at the American Express. And then if you want to go back before the end of the season, he had some 50s. 40s, uh, even a six at Shriners. Oh, by the way, comp course. His course history here, as I said, he makes the cut a lot. Adam had one at 6,900. Uh, I didn't want to make him my favorite just because I was. I thought Libiota was so cheap, but Adam had one. I, I almost didn't mention him. I think he's a fantastic play. I'm going to use him a couple times. Um, yeah, I fantastic don't in his price range. I mean, like I'm not yes. telling you he's going to win the, the thing. Just bet him top Canadian. I mean, you like your Canadian golfers, Mac Hughes, Adam Hadwin. It's correct. I did. I spent. A, I spent a lot of time in Canada fishing. I love Canada. Yeah, hey, I got no problem with Canadians. Um, I, I, a couple of years ago, I was on a Nick Taylor run. Of course, not when he won Pebble. Why would I do something smart like that? Um, <laughs> I was on an Adam Hadwin run too when he, when he kind of first emerged. He was like Mackenzie Hughes because he had the uh, image of twenty twenty. That's correct. Are are we? Are we interested in Roy Sabatini all the way down to 6,300? I'm not. But has he's has your the guy. shine worn off Silver Sabs? I mean, he's your guy, so. It took me this long to bring him up. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather play bronze medalist CT Pan. I feel you. I'd rather play the gold medalist, as I told you in well, the Well, yeah, yes, yes. yes. Even I, for I the price. That, I think that's fairly obvious. Even for the price. Uh, who are you fading in 6K? Oh, um. I had not gotten this far. Well, that's okay. Um, Craig Hocknell. He only has eight registered rounds, so I have no idea who that is. I'll fade Chaz. I think he's got a decent history here. Well, yeah, you even talked about the uh, second-place finish. But cut, 70th cut, eh, it's not happening since the start he's of the year. He's an Arizona guy, too, but he's outside of that one year that that he finished second, he lost in the playoff. I don't think he's ever done much. Or no, he followed that with a fourth, but then it's surrounded by a bunch of missed cuts. There you go. There's another one. Throw throw him. I don't know what his, if he's like 201. Throw him on the odds. Throw him. Throw a couple bucks on him. He's like Brendan Grace. 
Play the course history narrative. I'm scrolling for him. Hundred and fifty. I mean that you know the top six pays nice there. There you go. I mean, if you can, and you know I always couple my wins with the top six. So absolutely. Anything else from the uh, from the DraftKings side here? I do not have anything else. Jason Day didn't uh, didn't crush me. Didn't pay big dividends either. He was fifteen percent owned. I am my three of four one and done picks so far have been ten percent owned or higher. Um, I don't know if that means anything or not. I'm in 1,800th place. It certainly means it's not getting me to the winner's circle. Um, is it, in this field, is it time to get a little bit unique given that you could get unique and still have a very good player? I'm not saying Webb Simpson while his form is bad, but you know, Louis Tazen, uh, all those guys above him. Honestly, even Adam Scott, Webb Simpson. Russell I Henley. I don't. I don't. I. Don't, I won't use Henley here. I have no problem with Scott. You know who I should consider using? I mean Brooks. Be... I only said that because you hit the bat last year. Could Rom? Yeah. Everybody. His ownership is probably uh, Everybody... either used up or saving for the Open or the Masters or something. Right. Everybody's saving for a major, one of the WGCs, but. Of course, he's played well at, and he's. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you roster a guy and they win, does it really? I mean, yes, you prefer nope. to get the two million dollars at the U.S. Open or something, but you know what? One, one, two, one point three million is going to pay very nicely in one and done contests. So, Rom, I'm considering. I mean, I, I feel like I use Hideki every year at this event. Um, I don't know if I will this year. Bubba's intriguing. If you're going to use him, uh, you know, you're going to use him at this week, next week. Would you use Augusta? You know, would you? I don't know. I mean, Travers, certainly it's one of his places. He's won there a yeah. Times. So if you're going to use Bubba, um, and that's kind of like this is it is time to maybe look at some players and go, if I'm going to use them, you know, is this the only time I would use them? Because I would use Hideki other places. I would use Rom other places. So just food for thought. I mean, obviously you and I haven't really cracked the code on the uh, the oh. one and dones just yet. Oh. No, no, you know, probably listen to us and do the opposite. It's probably a, a smart, uh, yeah, Bubba. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to select Bubba right now just because I always like to select somebody. So if I forget Wednesday, oh, mm -hmm. I at least have somebody. But yeah, yeah, four events in, I have four cuts made and one top 20. And that's it. So yeah, you can tell. I'm getting, I'm, I mean, if this is a made to cut uh, challenge, I'd be doing perfect. But um, it's not. So I'm not doing very good. I have uh, one top ten. It was Rom. So use Rom. You'll get your top ten. You can join me. <laughs> I, I might. Uh, uh, that's very tempting to me. My very early instinct is I'm going Spieth, but I don't know. He, I mean, uh, that should be fairly. That should not be popular. I would think. Uh, I would think not. Right. So that's my early thought, but. I'm really, I'm, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing this week uh, as opposed to any other week when I don't, I really don't know what I want to do this week. Right. Skeeter, we got anything else for the, uh, the people's open, AKA the wasted management, AKA waste management Phoenix open. I don't. Um, I'm just, you know, my Thursday through Saturday, I, I will not get to watch any of it, but Sunday is wide open on, you know, this is just the perfect Super Bowl lead up. And I, I hope again, you know, I've, I've been lucky the past few uh, weeks that I've had some sort of 
live player live lineup going into Sunday hasn't always worked out. I hope I do here because this again is so fun just to watch and play. I'm I really don't want to sound like you know um, first world problems here, Skeeter, but I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not going to get to spend as much time watching this tournament this week as I normally would. But I'm also not disappointed that the uh, the beach view in Santa Monica is going to be my uh, my alternate f- source of uh, in uh, uh, fun. So well, entertainment. And- and again, you getting to watch your team in the Super Bowl is, and you're actually going to be there is just a remarkable, just an awesome experience. It's still surreal as I look at my Bengals theme surfboard hanging on my wall that I bought in Cancun for no damn reason except for the lady made it. And I wanted to make sure she knew Bengals fans existed. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I bought everything Bengals she had. And then I said, make sure you make more for the next person. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> At any rate, Skeeter, I'm certainly looking forward to this tournament. Thursday, I'll be dialed in. Hopefully, Friday, I'll be uh, in the warm weather of uh, Los Angeles and the surrounding area watching this bad boy. And Well, next week, I, I would say I hope we'll be talking about a uh, Super Bowl win in Riviera, but my travel plans and your scholastic plans have uh, have caused a little bit of a, uh, a, uh, a kink in the schedule. So it doesn't look like we're going to be doing this next week. It'll be two weeks from now, yes? Yes, yeah. Um, just this, uh, this unfortunately does happen with us as uh, sometimes our schedules do not uh, correlate together. So we hate to miss Riviera, but it's just, you know, we'll, we'll blame it on James's uh, Super Bowl trip, which, you know, I think, understandably, is probably a much more important in the grand scheme of things than a podcast. So, um, and of course, I'm not helping either on Tuesday. So, you know what? We're just going to take the week off. Um, James might need the time to recover either from the win or the trauma of a loss. Um, you know, at least he's not doing a serious show Monday morning where, where there'd be people asking him if he'll be, if he'll make it, um, which has been a new tradition throughout every playoff win that the Bengals have had. So I would make it and I wouldn't be embarrassed to show up with uh, no sleep and a bottle of booze in my pocket. It's Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl Monday. I got to say this, Skeeter, before we go, though, because it's Riviera and we won't do the podcast next week. Um, my active Bengals to win the Super Bowl ticket is courtesy of Max Homa, your reigning Riviera champion. He won in a playoff. It's funny how this all cl- cl- collides because my first ever gambling golf win was Webb Simpson in a playoff with Tony Fee now. Yeah. Um, not my most recent win, but a recent win, a win at Riviera was Max Homa over Tony Finau in a playoff. And that's what gave me the money that spurred the Bengals to win tickets. So um, that's all I got to say about Riviera. I'm not sure it means anything or made any sense, but it's out there and I had to spit it out of my head. No, I mean, yeah, one year later, uh, Max Homa win. The money came from that is uh, now potentially one game, 60 minutes away from turning into a nice, nice uh, payday for you. Yeah, hundred to one. I didn't get in as high as it got, and I'm okay with that, Skeeter. Let's hope we uh, hey. let's hope we talk about a whole lot of goodness in a couple of weeks. What do hey, you say, brother? Absolutely, triple digits is nothing to sneeze at. Let's yeah, let's get after it. All right, Skeeter. Well, I appreciate uh, you as always. I appreciate everybody for listening. For Skeeter Robinson, I'm James Adams. This has been the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. <laughs>